This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. Right now that time, 8-12, you're tuned to WGNS. We'll take a look at the news of what's happening around the nation and around the country and around the world in just a little while here with CBS News. But right now in studio with us, we have attorney Scott Kimberly with the Rutherford Cannon County Bar Association. How are you this morning? Wonderful. Thanks for having me. So I guess before we start off, uh, tell us a little bit about how you got into law. Oh, how I got into law? Okay, I thought this was at the bar. My story is much less interesting. (laughs) Uh, I I grew up, my father was an attorney, and I grew up, um, in fact, he tells a story quite often about a judge interrupting a court proceeding saying, excuse me, counselor, uh, you two boys in the back of the courtroom, can you please keep it down? And it was me and my brother. So (laughs) it was my dad's case. And um, when we were off sometimes, he liked to let us come and watch him in action. We loved it going and watching him. So I just grew up going from courtroom to courtroom um, it, most of my childhood. Loved it. Um, loved my job, and uh, it's a great field for me. You know, when you see court cases play out on TV and, and dramas and movies and all that, it, it looks like almost a play. I mean, the way it's orchestrated and everything, is it really like that at times during trial? Uh, rarely. It's I, You know, I have friends who say, hey, we'd love to come watch, and I'm like, I, I promise it's not as exciting as you think that – one of the reasons we do at my firm, we do family law and criminal defense. And the reason is those are two of the few areas of law anymore that actually get into a courtroom. And we have a trial advocacy focused firm. We, we love getting into a courtroom and litigating. And those are two areas that are they're fun to get in there. So if it does happen, that those are the two kind of areas you'll, you'll see it in family and, and criminal work. Well, in life, I'm sure you see this all the time. People make mistakes and they have to pay for those mistakes. But when those mistakes are serious enough to keep you from, you know, gaining employment or a, a good job, that's a problem. So expungement, I guess, tell us a little bit about that and how having something on your record versus having it off your record can really help you move forward in life. Sure. So as an aside, I'm part of the Rutherford Works program. I get called on to talk to schools every now and then. I'll go talk to middle schools, high schools, some colleges, um, trade schools, just about what it's like to be in the law. And, and one of the things I tell them all the time, especially talking to high school classes is, there, everyone in this room, there are people in this room who have cheated, backstabbed, uh, done, thing, done people wrong, uh, very bad things. If you were to think about the worst thing you've ever done, most people on their face, they would cringe. And, and there's a line from a book uh, by Brian Stevens called Just Mercy, it was made into a film. The line is, we are greater than the worst thing we've ever done, or we are more than the worst thing we've ever done. And, and that's one of the big reasons we do criminal defense at my firm is we believe that. And what we run into, like you mentioned, is people who have committed a crime were held accountable under the law, rightfully so, and, and entered into a plea agreement or some kind of agreement. And then 20 years pass, and you've got things on your record from 15, 20 years ago, 5, 10 years ago. You're a different person than you were then. But these convictions are still on there. So as a bar, I was a bar officer for the Bar Association uh, five, four or five years ago, I believe, and we ran an expungement clinic. And uh, back then, several people, um, Aisha Miles was fantastic at helping us put it together. 
And uh, Judge Eichheit volunteered her time. We ran it back in 2017. And it was a chance for the bar, the Bar Association, and for those listening, if you don't know, a, a group of lawyers, we call ourselves the bar. Um, it was our opportunity to donate our time to help people fill out the required paperwork to get these old charges gone. And so coming into this year, the, the Bar Association, again, kind of had a conversation about, is it about time? Do we want to do that again? Because what you're seeing likely, and you probably recognize it, is there are a lot of jobs out there for people to work. And the irony is, and a lot of people don't know, there are a lot of people out there who want, desperately want to work. And they're being held back through barriers, some of which are included in background checks. So we're trying to do what we can to help people get over these barriers to employment, get over these barriers to housing through a lawful method of working through the laws that we have and helping those people get their records cleaned up. Now, of course, because of the Internet, there's certain things that, you know, if you were involved in a case where you were arrested and it made the news, it's always going to be online. I mean, there's nothing you can do about that. Just like years past, if it were printed in the newspaper, it would always be printed in the newspaper and somebody could find it if they went to the library, looked at the microfilm and, you know, really did some research. But the bottom line is it may still be out there online somewhere, but on your actual criminal record, if it's expunged, it'll be, I guess, wiped clean of that charge, right? Yes. And, and my fiance used to work at an employment company and she would call me fairly regularly asking, hey, what does this mean on a background check? Or what does that mean? And helping understand, because some of these court terms are, are, are very complicated. But there are a number of cases that are on people's that show up on a background check. Sometimes, ironically, they've already been dismissed. And they are dismissed cases. And there's one more form that you need to fill out to have it erased. And circling back, and I'm sorry I didn't address it, but expungement, the definition of expungement is just to erase it from your records. And so as part of that, it's to make sure that we are helping get those criminal charges erased and expunged. And sometimes they're ready. They're, they are ready to go. They just need one more form filled out. And this clinic can help people who have charges that are eligible to be erased. It's just getting that last step done. And that's what the volunteer attorneys and the volunteer judges have, have stepped up and said we're going to help do. So once the charge is expunged, erased from the criminal record, how long is it before it's actually gone for when somebody does their next criminal background check when applying for a job? You know, it's tough because it really depends on who's running the background check. And sometimes now that there's private companies involved there, they will run a set of, you know, they'll gather their data and correctly identify that, hey, Scott Kimberly has got a, you know, criminal background check. He's got this charge. That may be true at that time. And I may go get that expunged, but that private company never circles back to do that. So sometimes it's hard because no matter how deeply you run an expungement and erasement, it's never going to get to certain companies. But we always encourage our clients to keep a copy. There's one form they get that shows that this charge has been erased from your record forever. And if for any reason some other company finds it in the future, because like you said, it, it's going to be out there, right? It's happened. It could be out there under certain databases. So keeping that ex proof of expungement and erasement will help them beat that. Uh, but we're going to do our best to try to really get people the, the most relief we can under the applicable laws. And, and can I briefly say, I, I do want to say, this event, this event has the power to change lives. And we are, my firm is one of the smallest participants in this in terms of what's been asked of us. I want to take a moment on air and publicly commend the people who have helped us put this together. Um, three in particular are elected officials, and this is not a statement of I'm not endorsing or anything like that. I just want, I believe that if people are elected 
and they give their time to serve and create these opportunities, they should get that public recognition. Um, County Mayor Bill Ketron, Circuit Court Clerk Melissa Harrell, and, and Circuit Court Judge James Turner, um, Jimmy Turner, have been tremendous in helping us make this happen because we do it on a Saturday. And those people do not get raises for helping us. They don't get bonuses for helping us. They're taking their time and making themselves available and making this happen um, for no additional compensation, recognition, anything like that. So I want to take this moment to let the public know those people have stepped up and I believe they're, they're helping provide a tremendous benefit to the community. Again, with us this morning, local attorney Scott Kimberly talking about an upcoming expungement clinic. And I believe the clinic is what you have to sign up by this Friday in order to be a part of it. Yes, it's uh, the clinic is set for July 31st, but because of the way the laws are written, we can't really do a, a walk up clinic. It's very important to properly vet and investigate anyone who's applying because if we are going to be helping people erase criminal records, we want to make sure we're doing it lawfully, uh, appropriately. And to do that, we need time with the information for our clerks to look through it, time for our local district attorney to look through it to make sure we're doing this all the right way. And so, yes, the deadline is this week. For anybody wanting information, I believe uh, we have a press release on your website, uh, but it's just murfreesborolawyer.com slash expungements. And uh, that's going to help people learn more about how to apply. And, and very, very important, and you noted it, you have to apply. And if people walk up, we'll be happy to give them information about how to do this in the future. But to be part of this clinic, we would need an application submitted before. So sign up by this Friday at 5 p.m. Then the actual clinic will be July 31st. And that's a Saturday. And what types of cases or charges are eligible to be expunged and what types of cases are not eligible? Sure. I'll give you the three kind of most common situations we see. One is cases that have been dismissed in the past. And, and ironically, so many people go into court and get a case dismissed and they go home because they think, hey, it got dismissed. What a lot of people miss is that that actually shows on a criminal background. And when you have a criminal background check ran, someone can see, hey, they were charged with this crime, but it was dismissed. Even the appearance of being charged there, you have a right in that situation to have it erased. The second type is when the state has agreed to dismiss the cases through the court system. And there's a couple processes, diversion, retirement, they're, they're technical legal terms, but basically where the state has agreed to dismiss it in the future, again, you have to come back to the court and do that one more step. If it's, get, if it's being dismissed a year from now, you gotta go back a year from now and get it erased and expunged like it never happened. And the third type, there's um, we kind of call it informally the five-year law. It's a law that our legislature put in. And it was a law back in, oh, it's been five, six years since they passed it. But it's TCA 4032-101. It's a, that's the code number. And what it does is it gives a list of crimes that says, hey, if you've been charged with anything that is a misdemeanor um, and it's not one of these specific real bad misdemeanors, um, you're eligible to apply and uh, to see if you qualify to have that one or two charges dismissed. It's for people who have only had one or two criminal instances in their entire lives. And that's another reason just applying to this expungement clinic might help because some people at the time they entered that plea 20 years ago, they were told this will never be eligible to be removed from your record. But now we have a law that's been put in place that says for those people who have only had one or two issues, let's create a road for these people to get back to a criminal free record so they can work, so they can find housing, so they can provide and contribute to the community. So those are the three big ways that, that we've seen. Now, I wanted to go back to a word you mentioned because I've seen it on several different cases in the news where 
you know, so-and-so was charged with whatever the case may be. And then the end result, once they hit the courtroom, was judicial diversion. Mm -hmm. So when you see that judicial diversion as the end result of the case, what exactly does that mean? So diversion in Tennessee, everybody gets it one time in their adult life. And it's an opportunity to stand up before the judge and say, I'm guilty and plead guilty. And the judge will tell you, all our judges are fantastic in the way they explain this to the people in front of them. I'm going to take that plea, but I'm not going to enter it this time. I'm going to hold it, is what the judge will say. And so that guilty plea is held and the case is deferred, it's diverted, for usually of a period of about a year. And as long as the defendant does the court conditions that are asked of them, they can come back at the end of their term if they successfully complete it and have that erased from their record one time. And the state keeps a database of who has used the diversion and who has not. Um, I always tell people, you know what it's called? If someone puts their hands on my daughter, it's called a diversion because I'm still <laughs> diversion eligible. Uh, but it's a, you, everyone in their adult life is allowed to use that one time. And so if you're diversion eligible and you have entered it, again, like these other situations, you may be in a position where all you've got to do is go pay a $100 fee to the clerk and that's off your record forever. But a lot of people just don't circle back and finish that. And that's one of the things we're hoping to help get done at this clinic. You know, here in Rutherford County, in criminal cases, it seems like whenever that suspect in the case pleads guilty at the end of the court trial, whatever it is, uh, the judge seems to really explain in a, a very clear and precise way what pleading guilty means, what it's going to equal. And I don't know if that's done in other counties or not, but here in Rutherford County, it seems like they do a really good job at explaining what exactly the person's pleading guilty to. And I think that equals less appeals being filed in Rutherford County versus other counties. Is that, what's it like in other counties? Have you seen how judges handle the end result of a case? You know, it's interesting because judges are, are trusted to really handle their case administration county by county. And You'll find if you travel mid-state, and that's pretty much as far as I go, it gets it gets it varies wildly. Um, there are some courts where um, what you'll notice is on the back of a form for a plea. There's a whole list of rights that people have to basically waive to enter a plea. Right? You have a right to a full public jury trial. If you enter a plea in general sessions court, you're not going to go have your full trial. And other counties will ask defense attorneys, and I've seen it before hey, do you want to go ahead and waive the reading of those rights to your client? And, and I understand that in a sense that they're trying to uh, protect an efficient docket, right? They want to run things timely. But what it does is it basically trusts that that attorney is going to go line by line through these rights with the defendant. And, and I don't know that that happens every time. What I do appreciate about our local judges is that even though, and sometimes it seems redundant to people who are in the room, but even though that defense attorney has gone through that list with the client and had them sign that those rights and say, this is what I want to do, the judge still takes that extra step in court and will read those rights out loud to the person just to make sure. Because as you know, pleading guilty to a criminal offense is a significant life consequence. And, and if someone is going to enter that agreement, I do believe they should have a right to understand every single right that they had and they are giving up to do that. And so I, I do think our judges do it well. Other counties will waive that sometimes. And, and I think that our judges do a good job. Like you said, anybody sitting in the room is going to look at it and say, hey, that's that that person at least has been told or understands what's going on. You know, I, I would think it's a good thing that 
we don't have as many appeals in Rutherford County as some of the other counties that I've noticed do have, because it does kind of say things are a little more clear whenever a case is being heard and at the close of the case. But back to the expungement of past cases, uh, pretty much anybody out there listening who does have a criminal record and does have a, a case where it is a charge that's eligible to be expunged, they can apply to have it expunged and then the end result, hopefully, have it wiped off of their record. Big thing. Yes, and, and I will say this. The, the people that have been the biggest supporters of this clinic so far have been employment agencies because, again, frontline, they're facing frustrations with they have good people who are being turned down for jobs from things they did 20 years ago. Um, really, the, the two biggest responses we've got from this clinic, I guess three, one is from nonprofits here in town who see folks who are struggling every day and know that this could be a resource to help somebody get back on their feet. Two is from employment companies who are trying to help people work. And three is just from everyday constituents who know somebody who's been turned down for a job or know somebody who's been turned down for housing because of a certain type of conviction. And, and you know, worst case, this is what I would say to anybody who's listening. If you know somebody who's struggling with a criminal background, just send them our way. Because worst case, guess what's going to happen? We're going to look at it. And I get these calls all the time. I have people call me and say, hey, I got charged with this 15 years ago. I'm tired of dealing with it. Can you look and see if I'm eligible for expungement? And I have to look and tell them no. And that's a difficult conversation to have. But at least they're calling, right? At least they're checking. And if you have somebody you know, because like we said, the, the law changes. So if you're listening to this and you have someone that you know who's struggling with that type of issue, feel free to direct them to the Bar Association's website for this event. At the end of the day, the worst that's going to happen is someone's going to tell them there's no relief available for you right now, but you're not going to lose anything through that. And truthfully, all you have is to stand to gain, possibly clearing up even some small things on your background could help. Again, with us in studio, local attorney Scott Kimberly talking about an upcoming expungement clinic that takes place July 31st, but you have to sign up for it by this Friday at 5 p.m. So, Scott, have you seen firsthand how expunging a criminal record can literally change a person's life? Yes. I have a client who we had a charge went through, and this was a, in the beginning of the five-year expungement period, um, and he had a job offer. Uh, this was two years ago. He had a job offer um, contingent upon him having a clean background check, and I had seen where he was refused for the job. I had seen the charge that I did not represent him on. This is from back in the 90s. I wasn't practicing yet. And uh, we filled out an application under the new law. We had it erased and expunged. And this man, I don't want to get into too many details because I don't want to, it's a confidential case, but he was able to secure that advanced job. And, you know, just like when you're able to help people and, and you know, it happens so intermittently that, that I try to appreciate when it does. But this grown man was just crying and gave me a hug and, and just watching how much of an impact that's able to have on somebody. And that's just one misdemeanor charge from 1994 that we managed to get erased and because of that he can go earn more money provide for his family and frankly the job that he took he's helping so many people who i mean you think about who you were in 1994 who i was in 1994 how much we've grown as people and he's a different man now from one youthful indiscretion and, and that's really powerful to be able to get some of those old records and, and i do want to say this isn't like we're just taking a flamethrower to criminal records. There are a lot of crimes that are not eligible to ever be expunged for good purpose. There's a lot of crimes that people are going to have on their record forever because that's the way the law is written. We are just trying to lawfully apply the current 
expungement laws and help people who are eligible. And, and I have seen that firsthand. And I'm going to tell you, just like you know, when you ever you know volunteer with a nonprofit, when you see a law or see an agency make a life-changing difference for somebody, it'll make you want to come back. It'll make you want to do it. And that's why we're doing it again. I can imagine for some of those out there who do have a criminal record that, you know, could be expunged, but not expunged. I can imagine dead end job after dead end job, you know, just hourly wages the rest of their life if they don't get that taken off the record. So, I mean, it, it really could. I mean, just sitting here thinking it really could turn around somebody's life in a major way. Yep. And we and we just and, and look, even if it's one, even if it's one person. You know, the attorneys who volunteer in this, we believe in what we are doing. We believe that through our work, we can help make a difference in people's lives. And even if it's just one person, we are set up, we are ready to go on a Saturday because just that one person, for that person, we changed the world, right? That for that person, through our job, we were able to change the world for them. And so I'm, I'm bought in, we're in, and we would love to help people. So in closing, how does somebody sign up by this Friday at five? Where, where do they need to go first? Uh, so, and I need to emphasize, it's, it's a bar association event. Uh, we are hosting the sign up form on our website. That doesn't mean it's our event. We just had the form uh, function capacity to use. And you know, with technology, sometimes you, you take the easiest sure. route, you can collect information. Um, it's murfreesborolawyer.com slash expungements. We do have a press release out. If you go to WGNSradio.com and search for Expungement Clinic, it's going to be one of the uh, highest hits. You have been kind enough to carry our information on your site for years, and we appreciate that. And uh, if you go to that website, it'll have a very, very clear-cut, very straightforward form. It's only six or seven questions. And then from there, that becomes our job with that information to search your criminal background check, see if there's anything available for you, and then be in touch as we get closer. But I, you're right, and I do want to emphasize, please, please, please have that information submitted by Friday. We are already over 200 applicants. Wow. And as you can imagine, yeah, we did this four years ago, and we had 40 total. So as you can imagine, with the volunteer time available, we're, we're, we're stretched thin trying to make sure we run all of these things. And Legal Aid, I, I want to throw a shout out to them. They have been fantastic at helping us vet this information. Um, and I'm, I'm really hoping I didn't forget a uh, uh, shout out to anybody who's been helpful. But this is not a, a one office or one group of people show this. This takes multiple agencies, multiple groups. And so for anybody wanting to apply, it's murfreesborolawyer.com slash expungements and just fill that information out. And then we will be in touch as long as that's good contact information. We'll be in touch. Sounds good. Again, local attorney Scott Kimberly with us talking about the upcoming expungement clinic. And again, you need to sign up by this Friday evening. Uh, thanks for joining us, and I guess keep us up to date on how it all goes. I will. Thank you so much for having us. Time right now, 8.35. You're tuned to WGNS. More news and information coming up. A check on that traffic comes your way right now. Good morning. Still quite a bit of traffic volume here, but it's moving. Let's keep it that way on 24 Westbound. Coming past 840, making your way up by Elmaville Road. Traffic just busy out here on 840 as well. Lots of radar earlier there up by Jefferson Pike. Hey, Gatlinburg Wine Cellar is home of the world-famous cotton candy wine. Check it out at GatlinburgWineCellar.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. This is Peter Demas with Demas Family of Restaurants. When it's getting cold outside and you don't want to really get out of your car, Demas's has now started a curbside service so you can order online put your make and model of your car into the website and when the food is ready we will bring it out to your car and therefore you can still be in your pajamas and come and get lunch and go back to your home if you want to 
curbside service. It's just another level of service of which we are trying to provide the residents of Murfreesboro. Visit us online at DemasRestaurants.com. Hi, this is Amanda at Animal City. Come see us at 919 Northwest Broad Street here in Murfreesboro. Don't let fleas get the jump on your pet. Stop by Animal City for premium flea and tick protection to keep your pet safe. Here at Animal City, we are longtime pet lovers and pet keepers. We also carry a variety of hard-to-find products for your specialty pets. Come see us and let our 30 years worth of experience be helpful for you. You can find Animal City at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. You can make a meaningful difference in 2021. KidLink Community Services is currently seeking foster parents in your area. KidLink provides free training and certification. Contact KidLink today at 877-714-1313 or KidLinkServices.com. Family Staffing Solutions is proud of our local veterans. I'm Becky Bookner, and as life challenges appear, talk with Family Staffing Solutions about how we can help you stay at home. Call Family Staffing Solutions. Family Staffing Solutions. Honoring and remembering those who served in our military, here is today's Salute to Veterans. Norm Alzir, he's a World War II vet. In this salute, we talked to a World War II veteran. When you went into the war, at what stage? Was it the beginning, the middle, close to the end? Well, it was close to the beginning, December 7th. How many were on your crew? Six gunners and four officers. Did you ever keep count of how many you shot down? Well, yeah, I shot down three. How old were you when you went in? Nineteen. Nineteen years old. And what was your parents' opinion of the... the... No, my parents were dead a long time. I was an orphan. Being the young man you were, what kept you going? What was the driving force inside of Norm? I don't know if I could really answer that. You had a job to do, and you had to do it. That's about it, you know. Uh, you just didn't worry about it. You just no, did it. You did it. That's right. And uh, whenever you got back from a mission, you kissed the ground. I'm glad you're alive. Well, Norm, I look back and think, how would your relatives hear from you? They called a V-mail. If you wanted to write a letter home, they call it a V-mail. A V-mail instead of an email, huh? Yeah. You wrote your letter, then an officer would take it, and he'd go over it. If he thought there was stuff in there that shouldn't be said, he would cut it out. And sometimes your letter would get home and we'd be nothing but holes. This has been a Salute to Veterans on WGNS Radio. Restoration One of Middle Tennessee. A team of experts and immediate responders who help homeowners after disaster strikes. After disaster strikes. Fire, water, or storm damage. We can help you get your life back to normal quickly. Restoration One Middle Tennessee.com. Locally and veteran. Precision Air knows you want the air inside your home as safe and clean as possible. Clean the air in your home with an affordable UV system. WGNS listeners get $50 off. 615 930 A whole house air purifier. 615 930 Old friends, new name, better together, as First National Bank of Murfreesboro transforms into Capstar Bank, our focus is on you. We're entering a new generation of banking in Rutherford County, but we'll always remain a community bank with local people you trust and uniquely exceptional service you deserve. We're at 2230 Mercury Boulevard, capstar.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. The Action Line on FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. We're Rutherford County's place to talk.
Right now that time, 8.40, you're tuned to WGNS again on this Monday morning. Now in studio with us, we have Bill Wilson and Frank Caperton. How are y'all doing this morning? Doing great. Man, I am wonderful. Thank you. Well, that's good. So what are y'all going to talk about today? I'd like to talk about a little bit of local history. I mean, you know, Bill and I and, and, and so many other are volunteers at the Rutherford County Historical Society, but people like me didn't grow up here. But people like you, Scott Walker, people like you, Mr. Murfreesboro, yeah. you guys grew up here. And what I always tell people, history isn't just what happened 200 years ago. It's what happened when you were growing up. It's what happened when you were growing up. Well, the cool thing about it is because a lot of folks didn't grow up in Murfreesboro. I mean, we're like right. a melting pot of people. Sure. I get to make up history and just <laughs> tell people whatever I want, you know. It was, it was some, right there, yeah. that, you know. Some it, of my history I would soon let stay in the past. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Murfreesboro is a great, just like Scott said, it's a melting pot of people. And, you know, in the last, we haven't seen this growth like this, well, forever. In the last 15, 20 years. You know, I'm older than you, Scott. I don't know about you, Frank, but I'm I'm 55, and I grew up in the 70s here, and I remember when there was 30,000 people that lived in Murfreesboro. Now, right now, we're pushing maybe 150,000, yeah. and they're saying in the next 20 years, we're going to double. The county's going to double. We're going to have 600,000 people living here, if they're right, which the way it looks like, uh, there's more U-Hauls coming in than going out. Sure. Yeah, but I think it was between 1990 and 2000, like 62,000 new homes built in Rutherford County. I, I mean, it's just, it, it's wild. Thanks, John Floyd. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a great thing, but it's a good it's a good place to be. It's yeah. being progressive. We're, we're not going to be like Detroit, which is not, hey, all my Pistons and Red Wing fans, I love y'all. <laughs> but uh, we do have a lot of growth here, and I think it goes back. We've got great jobs here. We have great uh, schools, public and private, and we have we have decent roads compared to, to others. We got places to worship wherever you want to worship. There's places to worship, and it's just a great place. I call it a Norman Rockwell town. If you can picture a Norman Rockwell picture, we have the old courthouse, one of the only few that are still standing from the Civil War. The only six in the whole state that are antebellum. In that while. Mm -hmm. But, you know, some of the things that we bring up, again, at the Rutherford County Historical Society, people come by every Saturday for what we call coffee and conversation. Just come as you are. If you've got five minutes, if you've got three hours, from any time right. from 9 o'clock till noon. Well, some of the topics that come up are, I love this, that Mr. Murphy's going to post every once in a while, a picture of a robotic slide behind the Hardys on Scott, Broad you Street. remember that, I don't remember you? that. You know, one of my first jobs at 16 was working at that Hardys on Broad Street. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I worked the uh, the morning shift all I just saw your long. car over there. Are you sure? No, I'm just <laughs> Last week. <laughs> You've got an advance. <laughs> no, but, and I remember working there during the summer. I had to get there at like 4 a.m. or something, you know. Wow. But, yeah, I remember chip, the cool chip, playground Cheeseburger, cheeseburger. <laughs> so that what was that slide? What was it's that about? Gigantica man? was the name Gigantica. of it. it. But it wasn't the only place it was in Murfreesboro. But it was, it could have been in Alabama or somewhere else. Yeah. But it, it was a company that sold it. But you would tan your honey on it. <laughs> There's a lot of dangerous playgrounds around back then. My mom Remember would go, the go roller go one. Yeah, at the roller slide at Old Fort Park. Right, but my mom would bid yeah. Hardy's. She now go slide. No, mama, no, mama, because my uh, honey was on fire. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, like, I, again, I moved here to go to college and been here ever since. Um, when you say the roller slide at yeah. Old Fort Park? Old Fort Park, it was uh. like 10 feet wide. And, you know, like the rollers in a factory, you know, oh. where they push the whatever they're making down the line. 
it was made of those rollers. Wow. It's like, I don't know how many rollers there were, but yeah, it, it was a slide made of rollers, and it was painful Sweet. sometimes. <laughs> that, that was like Murphy Center. We used to go to Murphy Center and get to uh, run down the, oh, the yeah, embankment. The, yeah. And or, the, or when it snowed, you could slay, sled on it until you hit uh, Tennessee Boulevard. <laughs> That'd be painful. Too. Tiger Hill is another. People don't know how Tiger Hill got its name. Back in the 50s. Murfreesboro Central High, their nickname were the Tigers, okay? In my days, we would go to a place called the Party Tree on Sulphur Springs Road, where now that's Indian Springs. But anyway, long story short, Tiger Hill is where all your high school kids would go. I don't know if they drank beer back then. I'm sure they did. Pop a top, frost a top, or uh, they would go out there and party, go park and whatever. And that's how Tiger Hill got its name was from the Murfreesboro Central High School Tigers. You would be correct, Mr. Right behind Walmart. On uh, South Church Street, and that whole area is being developed. The side yeah. of Tiger Hill, I mean, it's oh, it's crazy, it. it's yeah. nuts. You know, yeah. It's funny you bring up Sulphur Springs Road. A lot of people don't remember that what we call Haines Drive nowadays yeah. was Sulphur Springs, and it changed. I mean, they changed the whole configuration of the road about the time the new old State Farm was built around 1988-89. I worked at the old State Farm on Broad Street. I worked at the old old State Farm you, as well. I worked in the mailroom for Bobby Green and Robert Sandlin. Uh, <laughs> but what about Manson Pike, which is Medical oh, Center Parkway which now? Which is now Wilkinson Pike and all that stuff. There was an Arby's at the corner, okay? Yeah. My dad, Floyd Wilson, and his partner, Mel Adams, mm-hmm. Had an office and it's still the the building's, the building's still, there. still there. It's right yeah. across from Hardy's and Adams Aluminum's in the back. Yeah. John Salmon had his office who ran sure Mel's Aluminum Company. But Manson Pike meandered all through about where the Exxon is, and yeah, then it, it cut did. back to your yeah. right towards Blackman. Mm-hmm. When you, I was in a high school fraternity called Phi Sig. We would have our we would have parties at the Blackman Community Center. That was the country, y'all. I, I didn't. That know was the country. Fraternity parties at the Blackman Community Center. Well, <laughs> John L. Beatty just overlooking. I'm sorry, John. <laughs> well, my my first cousin Carrie Norton is married to John's uh, first cousin Charlie Beatty. That's they live in the oldest house in Rutherford County, the old Manson house out there at the uh, near the corner of Blackman Road and uh, well. It's not John Rice. What is that? Oh, you got me. No, Manson Pike. <laughs> yeah. You know, Murfreesboro is an interesting area. Rutherford County is interesting because there is so much history here, especially when you factor in the Civil War. You know, there's a lot of areas that don't have that segment of history. Other than, you know, there's only one other state that had more battles than Tennessee. That's Virginia. Mm-hmm. Think about it. The North and South, we're right here kind of a, in the middle of it all. Yeah, we're lateral. But... <laughs> People, you know, I had Jim Lewis on the show uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he was kind enough to come on the show. And the Battle of Stones River, you know, the North called battles based on rivers, cities, uh, and then, uh, you know, there, this was the seventh bloodiest battle in the Civil War. And where we shop at the Avenue, if you go to Dick's or if you go to Jonathan's and have dinner, picture 80,000 troops. We were. The most populous, one of the most populous cities from eight, the end of 1862, the beginning of 1863. 
80,000, because Murfreesboro is about 3,500 people, so I understand. And what a lot of people don't realize, too, there are almost 60,000 animals here as far as mules and horses and During that time. and such. That's yeah. a lot of yeah. stuff. Yeah, and, and you know, that battle also took place right there where the Case and Lane Kroger store is, going up to Sam's Wholesale Club. Yes. I mean, there were That's where it started. Yeah, yeah. battles everywhere in that area. Right there, exactly. And where the country club is, where you tee off, where you're uh, – I'm teeing listening to this. The, the, the driving range is – it was called uh, Wayne's Hill. That's where – there's still like trenches there where the cannon were set up. And where the old uh, drive-in theater is where the Union line was with their 60 cannon, McFadden's Ford, mm-hmm. face off towards the – see, the Confederates really won the first day. Mm-hmm. And then the, if it wasn't for those cannon, I'm not saying that the South would have rose again, but I'm saying that the cannon knocked the South out right there. And this was the beginning of the end of the Civil War because after Murfreesboro, there was the Tullahoma campaign. They went from Tullahoma on to Chickamauga, Chattanooga, and then on to Atlanta. And then Sherman's march to the Gulf. So the cannons were lined up, it sounds like, behind where Murfreesboro Kubota is, which is That's the very area, similar. Yeah, At the, the end of that road. Yeah, yeah, the end of that road. Battlefield Lane. And you know, for years, there was still at least one drive in movie screen up back there. The Marlboro. The yeah. Marlboro. I don't remember when they actually tore it down, but it was up. Uh, I used time. to go to there. We, my dad had a 48 DeSoto, okay? <laughs> and uh, he sometimes would let us drive it. He, he collected cars as a kid. He always had a different car and several cars, but all my friends, we would get a, I hate to say this, we'd get a pony keg and put it in the back of that DeSoto and that we'd put five or six people because that trunk was like from here to the courthouse. I mean, it was huge. <laughs> and when we got in, we snuck in. It was like a Shriner Circus, all these clowns coming out of the back of the truck. <laughs> now, it's, you brought up an old DeSoto. I don't know if you ever knew this or not, but on Stones River, on the opposite side of Riverbend Subdivision, there's an old DeSoto that's been there in the field. Well, it's not even a field. It's Scott, in don't the tell woods. Me that. Are you serious? Yeah, it's been there for, well, since I was a little kid because we'd you know, go down to the river and we'd always – just kind of float along skip and we see it. Skip rocks. Yeah, but it, it's, <laughs> it's it's on the opposite side of the bank of River Bend, which would be the side that the old movie theater was on. But there's an old DeSoto there in the woods, right there next to the river. We're going out there this afternoon. This Scott. afternoon, You're Frank has a camera. Wave Let's... through the river to get. Well, no, you don't have to. I guess you could. Who owns the land on the other side? We we have tax know. records, right? <laughs> I, I I've I've never really looked it up. A good question. But I wonder yeah. if it's still there. When's oh, the yeah, last time yeah. you saw this Desoto, uh, Scott? Well, I went kayaking not too long, probably within the last twelve months. Okay. Down that it's... section of the river, and it was still there. Has it flooded over there? It does float all the time, but but the car it's never moves. It's got a shiny top. <laughs> it's a little rusted now, but the, no, the car yeah. never moves. It, it's been there for years and years and years. What if there's anything in there? Oh, I don't, that'd I don't be kind of interesting. Jimmy Hoffa, huh? Jimmy, that's Hoffa. where he is. We need we need to do a segment on the Desoto across from the Walker's house. You, you got to go down there though and and take some pictures of it and maybe yeah. I don't know. Get the VIN number. That way you can find out who used to own it. Frank, are you on this? Sure. Let's go. Let's do it. You know, it's funny, though, when you talk about, like, Medical Center Parkway. I mean, how many of my kids are all in their 20s now, but it's hard for people to imagine what there was nothing there just 15 years ago. Yeah. They didn't complete Medical Center Parkway till 2006. 
that's not long ago, but that's part of our history. Right. I can remember there's no Rutherford Boulevard. I can remember mm-hmm. when there was no interstate. Yeah. Because they didn't, I think it, it was 71 or 72. 71. That finally opened in Rutherford County. I've got some pictures of it, and uh, I tell you, it's it's amazing. It's just amazing how things have grown in the last. In the really, it's not been that long if you think about it. No. The last fifteen, twenty years since two thousand. And that's right. uh, you know where the if you go if you call U-Haul or go to their website and you ask uh, what's the number one destination mm-hmm. in North America, it's the Nashville area. It's this area right here i believe it yeah you know and i remember and again this wasn't too long ago i had a friend of mine whose grandmother lived in a little house right there where i guess either walmart is now in old fort parkway or right where stones of Vermont Dee jernigan's was. grandmother lived. yes yeah. but Dee i Jer- i remember going out playing in their fields and i remember going down to the river right there where stones river mall is right because there wasn't a mall there then right just like target i remember yeah. where target Used to be underwater, 97, 97. and Barry and Stephen Barry Dotson developed that. And it, I mean, it's a great area. But I can remember there was an old farmhouse back there, yeah. hmm. and it, if it came, if it rained for a day or two, the water came up to Fort Park. I mean, it was. And about the only thing you had out there was the Holiday Inn and Interstate Shell. That was it. And then they came along with what um, Outlets Limited, Mall. Outlets Limited Mall, yep. Bruce Allen Bags <laughs> had a girlfriend worked there, uh, and Houston shirts. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Outlets Limited. Matthew Neal's father, uh, Company Development, is the ones who built that. Uh, that's about the only thing out there. Now, look, it takes half an hour to get down Old Ford Parkway. <laughs> there was an old Civil War house that sat up there. They tore it. And there's condos there now where Paul Vaughn Studios yeah. used to be. And it was either – it was Rosecrans uh, headquarters or Braxton Bragg. It was one of those two. Holiday Inn, the Holodome, mm-hmm. right there, Old Ford at – I-24 was like the hotel for oh, Murfreesboro at one point. It was the cat's meow. Yeah. If yeah. you go up to RutherfordTNHistory.org and just type in the little search bar mm-hmm. that you can't miss up there and type in Holiday Inn, we have several pictures of when there were entertainers there back in the 70s, and they have the mutton chops, and they're wearing the leisure suits, and just, you know, <laughs> pretty funny. And then the Garden Plaza came in. We were big then. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was like, ooh, it had an elevator. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, it's that, got an elevator. It's got these these lights. You can see through to the sky. Never seen those before. What is that? We got shoes on. <laughs> yeah, there's there was. I mean, really, I guess in the '90s is when we really saw Murphy's Bro totally change. Uh, the 90s to 2000, more than anything, probably. I'm trying to think when 840, when was it put in? That got started. It was in the 90s. John Hood, if you're listening, chime in. But I'm thinking it got. <laughs> Uh, the funding began in, or the planning began in 1987. I think the first pavement took a long time. Of course, it wasn't completed till around 2010 or 11. Yeah, yeah, because so. I remember in probably 94 or so, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I remember me and friends would go out there and drive on the, the the road that they were making. You know, it was just dirt at the time. You mean drag race is what you're saying. Jennings Jones, <laughs> what is the statute the of limitations? <laughs> That Lamborghini? What is that? What do you drive? Is it a Lamborghini or is it a Ferrari? I, I, I don't know which I don't, one it is. Man, I, I wish I had one of those. <laughs> Old Mustang. I had a, I had a 65 uh, Shelby. And, uh, didn't man, know. I didn't know that. Listen well, to this big time guy. Well, <laughs> it, I traded for a 51 Chevy. Have you ever seen the movie WW and the Dixie Dance Queens? That Burt Reynolds movie that was filmed in the 70s. 
Renfrew, in Nashville. Nashville. Mm-hmm. Well, Jimmy Lovern over here had built this 1951 Chevy. It was orange with a silver top and a 350 Corvette engine. It was lowered. It had a Jaguar suspension. Had a 411 pause rear end. Wow. Had the hush thrush. Had the hush uh, thrush side pipes that went down so it'd give it lift. And it had a huge like a her shifter that you had to jam the gears. It's like boom boom. But I swear to you, you put a hundred dollar bill on the dash, and you're riding right here, Scott, right next to me, the passenger. If you could grab it, you could keep it because that thing. You, you put, the new Corvettes were coming out. You, it was. It was the fastest car that I that I know because we we would uh, go out to Butler Roads where I used to drag race <laughs> and Midland Road. Yeah, and I've seen people lose their cars. The Panther I mean, Creek yeah. Road was another big title one for title race on. Yeah, yeah, I've seen people race where they uh, race title for title. See, this is what we talk about on Saturday mornings at the Rutherford County Historical illegal Society. Stuff. It's <laughs> illegal stuff. You want to talk about moonshine? Yeah, we, we, we've done that many times. What about times. Tudor Travis? <laughs> Tudor uh, Travis. He was Travis known. Court. I don't know. Who I shouldn't is. say. Well, it was an old Nashville highway. There was a little park you could pull up, and there was a uh, a window, a little house. You used to be a, a motel when it was built back in the and there was, Yeah, Yeah, and there was little rooms or whatever, but... Um, mm-hmm. Also, we used to go get spring water at Woodbury at Bill's Market. And, and I can tell you, spring water is the code name for it was, moonshine. It's moonshine, and you could get an eleven dollar jug of it, mm-hmm. a thirteen dollar. Depending on the strength that you required. But some of those people would take a sip, and they're blind on the way back. I mean, it's because it. <laughs> Some and of that then, stuff is not done right, it can blind you. And then some of them take a sip and they're on the radio this morning. <laughs> <laughs> be like drinking fire. Hey, you That's know, right. In the, one of the things, too, you talk about traffic and all. I live out near the battlefield, and people cannot envision that to get from, say, uh, Thompson Lane to the interstate, you had to drive through the battlefield until county yep. commissioner and then later state representative uh, Mike Lyles got the funding for the, what was called the Thompson Lane extension and that bridge. We got like two I've got to go left. take an ethics class. Oh, that that's going to fit in perfect with the moonshine. So, well, have thanks fun. for having me, y'all. Thank you, and and now it leaves just Frank Caperton and you and me and me. So we have like two minutes left. Mm-hmm. So as we close this morning, is there some type of interesting short story you can give us? information on mm, boy there's like i say our website just has two thousand plus stories on it and of course each thursday morning on our locally owned wgns radio we have, y'all have blessed us with flashback frank of the rutherford county historical society and let's just say that um, this thursday segment is going to be about place names how did amelville get its name how did christiana get its name so forth and so on well, that's going to be interesting then how did Almaville get its name? Do you uh, rumor recall? has it that the uh, the guy that owned a general store, he also had a post office, and he was kind of sweet on a young lady named Alma. Uh-oh. So that, again, as local historians, where we also tend to embellish the truth from time to time. You know, but <laughs> local stories like that are interesting. You yes, know what they you, are. And sometimes the simplicity behind the story is even more fascinating than the story. It makes local history appealing. 
Frank Caperton in studio with us. Bill Wilson had to leave just a second ago, but all of this can be found on our website. We'll have a podcast of it, wgnsradio.com, and then the Rutherford County Historical Society. How do we find them online? What's the website? Scott, that's easy. If you're if you're into Googling, we come up number one if you just search for Rutherford County, Tennessee history, or go directly to our site at rutherfordtnhistory.org, and always give us a like on Facebook. Sounds good. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Time right now, 8.59, local news and CBS News. Come your way next. Mm-hmm.